Well, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Doing good? Amen. Well, I just want to start off um, and just say that, you know, I've been, I've been so excited to be preaching today and speaking. And um, I just, you know, I've heard some stories about the church and how the history of this church, you know, how the church started and how far back it goes. And um, I just want to say that it's such an honor and a privilege, you know, that I can, I'm, you know, I get the privilege of being trusted with this pulpit today. Um, you know what, the church is such an important part in culture and society. And um, whenever I get the privilege of serving, you know, the body of Christ and the people of a church, um, I, I don't take it lightly. And I don't see this responsibility given to me today as just something, you know, that I get to stand up here um, and do or that it's just something to overlook. Um, I really feel like this is, this is important. Um, but I do want to say this, that, um, you know what, me standing up here today is there's nothing, the, the fact that I'm standing up here and sharing and testifying about who God, God has been to me, you know, there's nothing that makes me more qualified to stand up here than anybody of you guys. And I truly felt that I needed to share that, you know, and just start today because every single one of us has a story to tell. You know, every single one of us, we have um, a unique relationship that's uniquely defined between our relationship with God that does not look like anybody else's. And a lot of times what, what happens in the church is we, we, we try and create daughters and sons that walk maturely in their identity. But we look at a person standing beyond the pulpit as the ultimate call in life. And God has gifted us a lot of times, or not a lot of times, most times, you know, to not have a call necessarily to be beyond the podium of the church or, you know, the pulpit. But he's given us each individual calls and giftings to be in culture and society. And what ends up happening is we look at this as the ultimate platform and so we try and walk in our identities as sons and daughters, but we, we, we feel disenfranchised because we get to church on a Sunday and we feel like, man, I didn't get a chance to share. You know, I didn't get a chance to have the mic. I don't get a chance to preach or lead worship. But the thing, the, the thing is that, that I want to, the reason I'm saying this is because where we are going as a body, a corporate body of Christ, like God needs his sons and daughters to arise in their uniqueness and the gifting call that God has given each one of us and to embrace that. But um, yeah, before I get into my message, I want to, um, I'm just going to give a brief backdrop of who I am. Um, my name is Levi, as you guys have heard. Thank you for the introduction and, and for the prayers. Um, I've been involved in ministry now for the past nine years, hands-on. Um, I'm 26 years old now. My life didn't start off, I would say, thinking that I'm going to end up in ministry. But, you know, um, when I was 10 years old, my parents got separated and um, divorced. So my teenage years that I went into, I grew up without a father, a strong father figure in my life. And obviously, being, being a 13-year-old or 10-year-old kid, you know, with divorced parents and separation, there was a lot of places that I looked for identity within the world um, because, you know, there was a lack of a father figure in my life. But things started changing for me when I was 13 years old. I got invited to a church um, with one of my best friends and his dad, and they said, like, we strongly want you to consider to be baptized. So I spent some time, and I didn't really know what, you know, what it meant at the time. Um, so I spent some time thinking about and contemplating about it, and 
I decided to go with them. I was like, okay, well, cool, you know, it's pressing on my heart, so um, I'm going to do this. And I got baptized when I was 13 years old. And this probably, I would say, um, was the initiation of, of a journey that, that's taken me, you know, to many places around the world. Um, and that I've had such an honor and privilege of walking out. But when I was 13, the, the evening of my baptism, um, after I got out of the baptism pool, I got a, my first prophetic word of my life. And I always knew up until that point that there was, you know, that I've been set apart for something greater than, you know, the circumstances that I grew up in. And the prophetic word that was spoken over my life, to summarize it, was that I'm going to point a whole generation of young people to God and to Jesus Christ. And that God is going to send me around the world and I'm going to travel and I'm going to get a chance to preach and present the gospel of Jesus Christ and the kingdom message. And that message rocked me. But at the time, you know, like being a 13-year-old kid, I didn't fully have a grid. And I had such a, a word perspective of what it meant to be a pastor. You know, at that time, what I thought is like, you know, pastors are, you know, they drive around with beat-up cars or they're either very poor and they're just like quirky, weird-looking people with, you know, shirts tucked in, pants waist-high, you know, socks and slops, and with just like awkward, you know. So I was like, so the idea of being a pastor one day or being in ministry, it completely was out of my grid. And I was like, there is no way that I'm going to be a pastor in my life. Um, so all throughout high school, you know, I had a wrong influence of friends, um, unfortunately. But, you know, God used all those circumstances to shape me, you know, ultimately to who I am today. Um, but throughout the high school, through my rebellious stage and all that stuff, being a young man or a teenage boy looking for identity, um, in the back of my mind, the word that I got of my life when I was 13 years old, that I'm going to be a pastor in the ministry one day, that haunted me. didn't matter what I did, everything, but I tried everything in my power to run away from that word. Everything. Um, and then things drastically changed when I was 17 years old. I, I got invited uh, to a church and... The first evening of being in that church, the Lord encountered me. And there was a response, an altar call at the end of the service. Um, and I responded. And everything within me, I did not want to respond. But the pastor said, you know what, if there's somebody that's praising in your heart, you've got a burning desire in your heart to know this Lord Jesus as Savior of your life, you need to put up your arm, your hand. And I was sitting there, and I was like, I'm not going to do it. What are people going to think of me? You know, this is embarrassing. So people responded, and he kept waiting, and I didn't put up my hand. And he said, I feel like there's somebody else sitting here, and you've got a fear of what people are going to think of you. I was like, well, that's clearly me. So I put up my hand, and um, I recommitted my life to Jesus that evening when I was 17 years old. Um, started volunteering in church, started going to church. The more, the more I got exposed to the church and the kingdom and the word of God listening you know, as it cleansed me, I started realizing my conscience was awakened that, you know, the lifestyle that I was living was wrong. And prior to that, I didn't know that what I was doing was sinful. So the more I got the truth in my life, the more it exposed, you know, the lies that have been in my life and all that stuff, I started getting convicted and feeling convicted. And I was like, God, this has to change. So fast forward to the end of my matric year um, in 2009, to be quite honest with you guys, I was spending New Year's Eve in Cape Town and probably we started probably drinking at 3.45 that afternoon. And by the time that it got to 10 minutes before midnight, I was 
as drunk as can be. Um, but 10 minutes before midnight, the Holy Spirit instantly made me sober. And it's an encounter that I'll never forget in my life because what happened is I was standing on a beach and obviously it's a massive party, a lot of drinking, everything going on. And I'm standing there and instantaneously I'm sober. And it felt like the, world, uh, the Lord plucked me out of a system and all of a sudden it felt like I was standing on the outside of a circle looking into something. And my heart broke that evening because I knew and I identified that all the words that's been spoken up over my life until that point you know, that the reality is like I knew what God has called me to do. And going into the new year, my promise to the Lord that year was before midnight is that this is not the life that you've called me to lead or to live and that I commit myself to you and that this is the last evening of my life. And I can truth, truthfully say that that was the last evening of my life um, almost how many years, eight years ago that, that I, I got drunk. Everything started changing for me after that. About I started volunteering full-time right after that. Um, I was going to go to New York City in June of 2010 because uh, I got given a modeling contract to uh, go do modeling for three years in New York City. Um, and it was a massive opportunity because I was going to be presented before 400 casting agencies and directors of series, movies, and all that stuff in New York City. And that was my plan. So between graduating high school and leaving June of 2010, I had a lot of time on my hands. So I started volunteering full-time at church. When I started volunteering full-time at church, the more and more I was in church serving, volunteering, um, you know, the Lord started speaking to me about you know, the, the call of God on my life. And, that, you know, I've been neglecting it for so many years and all that stuff. Um, so I made a decision. I made a decision to give up modeling in New York City. And by March of that year, I was full-time ministry as a pastor in training. And I haven't looked back since. So fast forward six years now, um, I've been... In ministry, I just recently got done graduating three years of Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry with Anthony. And that was, I just want to brag on this guy. This guy is like, um, he's a brother to me. And, you know, we, we got to intern this past year together um, on a team, you know, of one of the outreach pastors of Bethel Church in the School of Ministry. And Anthony truly became a brother to me. And there's nothing that I would not do for you, but I love you so much. And I appreciate you so much. Yeah. So, you know what, I like serving in church for so many years, there was a lot of abuse, manipulation, uh, control that I went through in, within the church. Um, that, you know, after serving six years faithfully in a church, that I got kicked out of a church. Um, and I got told that I derailed my destiny. I'm not going to, you know, get to what God has for my life. Um, so, experiencing that, you know, Everything within me, I wanted to never set foot into a church again because that was my first experience of truly having a spiritual father in my life and having church um, and what it meant to, to, to be living in a community. So going through all of that, um, it was a tough season of my life, you know, the year before leading up to going to Bethel Church. But I knew that God had a word in my life and he had a promise of sending me to Bethel Church. And, and in the midst of that, you know, I just, I, I stayed faithful and I kept on trusting as difficult as it was, you know. Um, but the privilege that I've had since then, it's, it's rocked my life. And that's why I get to stand here today. Um, not to say that I know more than any of you guys, but it's just like what I want to share today is like I've seen, I've seen this, this played out in my life, you know, time and time again of, of God's faithfulness to us, you know, in the midst 
of the waiting of promises to unfold in our lives. Because every single one of us in this place today, you know, we've got either a word spoken over, over, over our lives through somebody else prophetically or God spoken to us individually also. And you're holding fast to their promise. And maybe, maybe there's some of us in here that you have received a word, but you haven't seen the manifestation of that word unfold in your life. And what I'm going to talk about today is what do we do in the in-between phase where the promise is released over our lives and we actually see the manifestation. Like, what, 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 why is it important to not have just great faith, but to remain faithful unto God in the midst of waiting for promises to unfold in our lives? Amen? So let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you so much for the time that we have as, as friends, as family, as a community to gather around your word today. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would prepare every single heart in this place, including my own, to receive what you want to sow into our lives today. Jesus, we ask that we can see you more clearly, that we can leave this place changed, revived, encouraged. Holy Spirit, I just ask right now that you would anoint my words, that you would rest on my word. The words of your word, Jesus, we know that your word is life to us. We honor you, we respect you, we adore you. And Father, I just thank you for the swirl of the hearts of every person sitting in this place today. That the word that gets sown, that it will carry life in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay. I want to... I was actually going to do this later, but I think I'm going to do this now. Um, the Lord woke me up two, two nights ago at 4.20 in the morning, and I got a prophetic word for Sarepta Church. Um, so is it okay if I release this word right now? Um, because I truly feel like, uh, you know what, like God wants to, He truly wants to speak and communicate through this. Um, so I'm just going to, I wrote it down, um, and the Lord, what the Lord told me is he said that there's an invitation for wealth and riches to be discovered within the people of the church. Not necessarily wealth and riches in the natural manifestation of, you know, finances, but, you know, there's wealth and riches in the people of the church of Sarepta. Like, what I saw is wells, there's wells of people like that people have been cultivating um, in their lives. So God is inviting you as a corporate body to have an elevated thinking. There's a season of invitation to have a renewed mind. And we know that Romans 12 verse 2 says that be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, because as our mind gets renewed by the word of God, it will ultimately lead to a transformed life. So it's a season of a transformed life, what I felt, you know, from the Lord for the church. Um, there's a greater bridge to relationship to be built within this place. Uh, we know it's an imperative and a promise from God that where there's unity, God commands His blessing. And I strongly felt that for you guys as a congregation, that, you know, God is inviting you guys for greater unity within the corporate body of Sarepta Church. Because, you know, if we cultivate unity amongst the people, there's the promises that there's blessing that's going to flow. So there's going to be life that's going to flow, you know, fountain of life 
um, that's going to flow. The church is supposed to be the place where the greatest minds gather to strategize on how to manifest these kingdom and culture in society. And to elaborate on that, Matthew 5.13, Jesus says that you are the, the salt of the earth. Now, salt was used in the old days for preservation. Um, so you guys are called to be preservers of society. And that's what I felt, you know, the Lord wanted to say is, you know, that you guys have a responsibility to preserve society with the, the call that God has given you guys. If, if I can give a picture, the church is the salt shaker. That's what I wrote down. It's where we gather together. It's very important, but it's supposed to be where we get equipped for the work of the ministry. There's an invitation for greater effectiveness and influence in this season, and it will require a few things. And I strongly felt like the Lord was sharing this with me, and he said that one is adoration. George Fox was a societal reformer. He started the Quaker movement, and he said that... Um, that we have to live inwardly toward God and outwardly toward man. So there's a responsibility of vertical alignment that will give horizontal assignment to us. And that felt like that's an invitation that you guys get to step into during the season of um, greater adoration, like intimacy with the Lord, like cultivating intimacy, responsibility in our vertical alignment with God that will affect the horizontal. Amen? Stewardship, faithful with the many. Like God is, God is bringing you guys into a season where he's going he's gonna, to, you know, those who are faithful with a little can be entrusted with the faithful of many. And I feel like you guys have a corporate, as, as a church and as a corporate body, you guys have been stewarding a lot of what God has given to you guys. And at times it might have felt, you know, this is maybe not important, but it's, it's been the little and God is entrusting you guys now with many. So it's going to take steward, stewardship. And with that, I, I, what I felt is that there's influence in business and government um, on specific people within this church. That God is going to start opening up doors for government and business influence, like um, entrepreneurial ideas, kingdom strategies on how to take that to the marketplace. Embrace each individual call, but celebrate and encourage the corporate assignment. And you guys have to find out what it is exactly what the corporate assignment is, but still embrace the individual call of the people. Um, and I got a picture actually earlier on in, in, um, in the prayer meeting that we had before the services. I saw a spine, but the links were out of place. And what I saw the Holy Spirit do in the season is like he's bringing the links that's out of place back into alignment. And what I heard that he, that he said is he's going to strengthen the backbone of this church. Because a lot of things, were, you know, Links have been out of place, but he's aligning. There's, there's kingdom alignment happening in this next season that you guys are stepping into. That he's bringing a lot of things that's been out of place back into alignment so that his blessing can flow more accurately in the lives and manifest. Amen? And then Isaiah 61 verse 3, it says that, Arise and shine for your light has come. Okay? And Habakkuk 2.14 says that the whole earth will be filled with the glory of God. And we carry, and you guys carry as a church, you guys carry the responsibility to reveal the glory of God in culture and society. Because Habakkuk 2.14 says that the whole earth will be filled with His glory. And how does glory manifest on the earth? It's through His sons and daughters. Because Jesus said that a city or a lampstand on a hill cannot be hidden, a lampstand, and we need to arise and shine. And I feel like that's such an imperative word for you guys as a church. Like, God is calling you guys to arise and shine in this time. 
and to embrace the individual call that you guys have, but to celebrate the corporate assignment. And through that, you guys need to reveal His glory and who He is, His image, His likeness, His characteristics, who He is in culture and society. Amen? Cool. Well, i got a few words of knowledge that I'm going to go into now. Um, is, does the name Cynthia mean anything to anybody? Cynthia. Or is there a Cynthia in, in church today? Nobody. Cynthia, maybe a friend. Yeah? Yeah? Okay. Recovery. Okay. Okay. Okay, cool. Young mother. Okay. Um, is, is your name Cynthia also? Your auntie's name. Was she in an accident recently? Like, uh, was there something that tragically happened in her life recently? That you, is there? Because what I felt, the word for Cynthia was, you know, the Lord just wanted to encourage her that the season that she's in, that God is bringing her out of that and that she's, He's bringing her into a season where there's going to be a lot of life expectancy flowing out of, out of her life and whatever is trying to come against her, that the Lord is protecting her against that. Okay. Um, is there a grant in this church? Grant. Grant. Nobody. Okay. Um, anybody that's going on a boat cruise or that's been on a boat cruise recently? I know this one is risky. Nobody. You know what I love about words of knowledge is a lot of times people think that you have to get everything right. But it's, you know, it's, it's learning. It's, it's learning how to flow with the Holy Spirit and sometimes we get it, sometimes we miss it. Um, and in March 1994, does that mean any... Yeah. From a boat cruise. Maybe I need to talk to you afterwards then. Are they, are they in the church or not? Like, not in this church. Okay. Okay. This is another risky one that I wrote down, but I, I saw a picture of somebody that keeps on dreaming about a white dog. And you might have lost a white dog this past year, the past two years. But I saw a picture of like a white dog, somebody that might have owned a white dog. Ellie. Okay. Okay. Can I can I just share a word with one of you guys then afterwards and maybe okay, perfect. Um, and then is there somebody in here that has you've got there's some struggle with your digestion, um, like IBS or over here. Is there anybody else? The nose of somebody also that might have like uh, stomach cancer or something like that because I strongly felt like the Lord wanted to minister healing in that area today. Okay, ma'am, can you, would you mind just standing up? Can you guys just extend your hands to her? Father, we just thank you for your word and the manifestation of that. Father, we just ask that right now 
that Holy Spirit, you would just touch her whole body from the top of her head down to the sole of her feet. That anything and everything that's out of alignment will just come back into kingdom alignment. And the fullness of what you paid for on the cross will just manifest in your life, Jesus. Complete wholeness. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And then, I, I wanted the business leaders to stand up. If you are in any type of business in this place, um, I just want to invite you guys to stand up because I just want to pray for you guys because I felt like that, that there's, there's increase that God is bringing in your business for greater resources and with that influence is going to come. So if you're in any type of business, you might have your own business. Um, I felt like specifically people that's had um, or that do have their own businesses, like there's been an attack against finances in this, the recent past six months um, and it was completely from the enemy. But... Um, you know, God is saying no more. He's drawing a line in the sand. And He truly wants to, you know, He's, he's bringing... What I heard it was there's accelerated elevation coming for every business person in this place. And if you're not in business, you can take the word for yourself also. So, Father, I just thank You for Your word. I just ask that You would place and increase every single person that has a business in this place, God, whether it's, you know, their own personal business or they're working for a company, that You would bring them into a season of of prosperity, um, of increase, God. We just ask for your protection over the finances and over the business. That nothing can come against it, nothing can steal it, Father God. And whatever has been stolen, that you would just give back generously. And as you give and increase them, Father God, that they can, they can increase in their lives, but ultimately to increase other people's lives also, Father God. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. 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 Cool. All right. So I'm going to, I have about 20, 23 minutes, 1030, right? Okay. So, yeah. Okay. What I want to hit on is, as I mentioned earlier, faithfulness and the, the kind of like, Base scripture that I want to use to emphasize today is Hebrews 10.23. And you can write that down if if you're taking notes. But Hebrews 10.23, basically, it says that, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for He, Jesus, who promised, is faithful. Um, And what I want to speak to is, to me, it's it's been a very personal word, you know, in my whole journey. Um, And... The, the question that I want to ask you guys today is, what do we do in the midst of waiting for promises to unfold in our lives, in the in-between? Um, <clears throat> by a show of hands, how many of you guys sitting in here, you've received a word spoken in your life or promised personally from the Lord, but you haven't seen the manifestation of that promise? I can, I can say that. I'm pretty sure that there's, if, if we... If we look back in our lives, that every single one of us can say that there's some area in our life that God's promised something, but we haven't yet seen the manifestation of that promise unfold in our lives. And I want to appeal specifically to that area because I feel like a lot of times what, what ends up happening is we live in such a, what I call a microwave society. And the reason why I call it microwave society is because everything around us in society and culture nowadays is trying, to, um, is trying to rub us of 
of having patience and cultivating patience and trust in our lives. And the reason I can say that is we can, we can look at social media, you know, communication. We can look at, you know, drive-thrus at, um, you know, restaurants, ATMs. Everything in society is, is building us to not cultivate patience in our lives anymore. And you can think about it also. Like if you, my iPhone sometimes, you know, when it text or the internet doesn't want to work, I get frustrated because I'm so used to living with something that works instantly or a text message or all that stuff. But in the olden days, we didn't have that, you know. And everything in society is trying to conform us to a way or to a model of robbing us of what patience and trust looks like. And the reason I say that is because, you know, God's timing in our lives is not our own. And there's an example that I'm going to share out of the Word of God just now. But God's timing is not our own. And a lot of times what happens, and I've been guilty of this myself, is God gives us a prophetic word, and we receive the word, and we feel encouraged, and we feel uplifted, and we're like, man, I knew this. Like, it resonates with my spirit, what God has told me. But we put a time parameter on when we want to see the manifestation of the promise unfold in our lives. And I've done this many times. Um, so for instance, to give you guys an example, you can get a prophetic word of like, there's going to be financial increase in your life. And in your mind, you're receiving it through a filter of like, that is awesome. I know this. This resonates with my life. This resonates with my heart. Um, but we put a time frame on it. So for instance, we say, receive a promise of like, you know, financial increase. And then we say like, okay, cool. In three weeks time, or maybe in a week's time, we have to see the manifestation of the promise. Now what happens if three weeks come and we're not rooted in our identity, in trust, in God, Three weeks come, and we don't see the manifestation of the promise unfold in our lives. What ends up happening is, if you're not secure in who God is as a provider, as a loving father, um, and if you're not focused on his track record in your life, a lot of times what happens is we become indignant, and all of a sudden we blame God for being unfaithful in our lives. Am I the only person that's done that? How many of you guys have questioned God when you didn't see a manifestation of a promise in your life? Let's be honest. I've done it many times. God's spoken something. He's declared something. But then me, in my thinking, I'm like, well, it's got to happen in a month. And it doesn't happen. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, God, but you promised. And now, what I've allowed is I've allowed doubt to enter my heart. And if you don't take care of that place in your heart, is that the next time something similar happens, there's more doubt, and you blame God. So now all of a sudden what happens is there's a karmic cycle that evolves in your life where the lenses through which you view God all of a sudden is scratched because you haven't dealt with the disappointment of something that you had so much expectancy for. Okay? And A.W. Tozer, he said something very profound. He said that... What you think about God is the most important thing about you. To put it another way, the first thought that comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. So if you see God as a provider and as faithful and a promise gets spoken over your life, and if that's your view of God, you're going to be able to posture yourself to receive from Him in that way. But if you feel like God is a person that doesn't love you, who's not a loving and caring father, maybe because of circumstances of how you grew up, Whatever promise gets spoken is going to be through that filter 
of what God promised. So if he, he promised something through you, but the lenses or the filter through which you receive that promise is warped, the manifestation of that in your life is not going to look the way that God wants that to look in your life. Okay? <clears throat> so trusting God, you know, for manifestation of promises in our lives, like the most important thing that we have to do and cultivate is, is trust firstly and foremost. And the reason I can say that because trust has to be the pillar on which we trust God for promises to be spoken over our lives. And if you have your Bibles with me, with you, I want you guys to turn to um, the story of Abraham and Sarah. And God's spoken to me so much about, like through the story of Abraham and Sarah, about trusting for the promise of God to unfold in somebody's life. And if you read with, in Genesis chapter 15, um, I'm going to start reading in verse 2. It says, Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Since you have, given me no, you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look, Toward the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Then he believed the Lord, and it reckoned to him as righteousness. So now, you know, God is promising Abraham that he's going to make him a, you know, a great nation. And then we see a, a promise of Isaac that's going to be, that's promised to Abraham, and the manifestation of Isaac to be in their lives. But 10 years pass, and they don't see a manifestation of the promise. And what happens? Sarah invites Hagar, and Abram, you know, produces Ishmael after that. So the entirety of the story, since the promise spoken over Abram about the promised child and the manifestation of that was 25 years. Now imagine waiting 25 years for a promise to unfold in somebody's life. But yet the, the word regards that Abram was a friend of God. Because he believed him and that was a credit to him as righteousness. It's imperative for us to listen to the voice of God and not other voices that comes to distract us in our lives when there's a promise spoken over our lives. Because Abraham had a promise about the promised child and 10 years passed and they didn't see the manifestation of that and they, become, they maybe became indignant or doubted God and then all of a sudden, like Abraham listened to Sarah and they produced Ishmael. But fast forward, God still remained faithful to his promise. And the word recalls, by the time that Isaac was born, the word says that in the appointed time of the Lord, Isaac was born. So there is a difference, and that's why, that's why I want to appeal to, to the thought of, you know, when, when, a, when a promise is spoken of our lives, and the time frame that we put on it, and versus the timing of the Lord. Because... We become indignant, as I've mentioned, when we don't see a manifestation of a promise. But in God's eyes, it's like, man, if you can only keep on trusting me, because what I have for you is so much bigger and greater than what you can ever dream up or perceive. And that He's appointed timing for our lives is so much different than what we think is possible. You know? And for me also, like, I've seen this many times in my life, specifically the past journey that I've been out, like, that I just came out of, is that... You know, like promises can be something spoken in our lives. And it's, it's okay to cultivate 
the belief in like or the expectancy of something greater in our lives. But a lot of times we end up chasing after the blessing more than we chase after the person that provides the blessing. Yeah? We, we end up chasing like God promises provision and all of a sudden He's the person, He's, he's the provider but because there's a promise of provision and increase our minds get so focused on the increase that we negate actually intimacy with the person that the blessing flows out of. And that is a hard one. And I've been guilty of that also in my life. You know, where I didn't see something unfold in my life and I'm like, God, how did I get to this place of anxiety or how did I get to this place of not trusting you? How do I get to this place of, of, of friction in my life? And the Lord every single time pointed back to me that as you lost sight of what's important. You see, God wants to bless us and He wants us to prosper. But it's got to be out of a place of vertical alignment with, with Him ultimately because everything that we have in our life, it flows out of intimacy with Him. So intimacy with vertical alignment will ultimately result in our effectiveness of what flows out of the horizontal. And if we, if we cultivate trust, if I can give you guys a picture, is if trust is the foundation in our lives, that can give us the posture of remaining faithful to God. Now there's a difference between having great faith. You know, we can, we can cultivate great faith or have the expectancy for something great, but there's a slight difference between having great faith and remaining faithful unto God. And faithfulness, where we posture ourselves for faithfulness to remain faithful unto God, is in the time, it's in the time of trials in our lives. Like God's spoken something over our lives, but we haven't seen the manifestation. Now what do we do in that time of waiting for the promise to unfold in our life? Do we just turn our backs on God and doubt Him or question Him? No, we, we can't. If we're rooted in trust... Faithfulness will be the result. Amen? And then faithfulness unto God, the word says that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So that gives us the picture that there's, like, remaining faithful, that there is a reward that comes with it because in, in our seeking of remaining faithful, God's like, I can trust this person. I can honor this person. I want to pour out my blessing on this person. So there were rewards, so trust as the foundation, faithfulness unto God will bring a reward. It's not that we chase the reward, but it's because God honors, honors us and loves us. And seeing the manifestation of a reward in our lives, that puts us back into a place of faith. So it's a cycle that, that we, can, we can, you know, God gave me a picture of that, of trust, faithfulness into God, the reward, faith of a continual circle. If we posture ourselves in trust, in believing without unbelief, we can remain faithful unto God. Out of the faithfulness unto Him, He can reward us that stirs up great faith again in our lives and then we can remain faithful. Because as we see Him, as we behold Him, we manifest that in our lives. But trust has to be the root. If we turn to James, I want to quickly read this to you guys. James chapter 1. It talks about James chapter 1 talks about the tasting of your faith and double-mindedness. And if you go down to verse 5, it says, But any of you 
But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. The interim between the promise of our lives and the manifestation of that, it is imperative for us to cultivate a belief system and discipline to not have unbelief. Now, unbelief is basically, it's very simple to, to give you guys an example. Unbelief is promise spoken in our lives, but doubt comes in to try and rob you. Like if you look at Abraham and Sarah, Abraham was promised the son. They became indignant. Ten years passed. The manifestation wasn't there. Abraham started listening to Sarah. So there was, there was a wavering. The word says that if you trust God, that you cannot waver in unbelief. Like you cannot be tossed to and fro like you know, the wind tossed to and fro. So that means that if God, if God has spoken a promise over our lives that we have to be anchored securely in trust in Him, that we cannot waver in unbelief. Like anything that opposes the promise that God has spoken over our lives will be a distraction or that comes as a distraction to take our eyes off what do we get to receive from God. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says that looking away from everything that might distract towards Jesus, who is the source and the leader of our faith, that gives the first incentive for our belief and is the one that, com- that brings it to completion. Turning away from everything that might distract. And I want to ask you guys the question today, if, if there's an area of your lives that you guys have given up hope, maybe, that you guys are not cultivating in trust, it might be something very sensitive to you guys. But I want to truly ask you guys to, to look into your hearts today and just see what are the areas that, that God can invite you or He's maybe inviting you in or maybe you've felt the conviction for a while now to step into like trust again, trusting in Him, that there's been an invitation, He's extending His hand to say, listen, my son, my daughter, I want you to trust again in this area. Because I felt this word is, is relevant for the time that we are in because where God is taking us as a body, as sons and, and daughters, we cannot go through the ranks of life being up and down the whole time anymore. God is looking for steadfast believers. He's looking for people that is faithful to Him so He can say that this person has cultivated faithfulness in their lives. And because of that, I can trust this person and I want to pour out my blessing on this person to reveal His glory because that's our call. You know, arise and shine for your light has come. Like we have that responsibility to carry God's glory into culture and society and ultimately reform culture and society to look like the kingdom. Jesus prayed, Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So that is our assignment. You know, part of the Great Commission is to arise and to shine. But how can we arise and shine if in the area of trust on the promises in our lives, we can't even steward that properly? Amen? Is what I'm saying, does, does it make sense? Is it like hitting home with some of you guys at least? Amen? So I want to I want to quickly I want to turn to to numbers 13 quickly because I want to show you guys what's imperative for us as believers when we want to quote unquote inherit the promised land of our lives. Um, and I want to read the story of Caleb. 
Caleb. Um, then the Lord spoke to Moses, it's Numbers chapter 13, saying, Send out for yourself men, so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm going to give to the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of their fathers, tribes, every one a leader among them. So I want to point out to you guys that he said, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. Now the word talks about Caleb had a different spirit. So the spies get sent out, the ten spies, and I believe according to the story, they were, in, they were spying out the land for 30 days. And that's quite a long time to spy out the land. But they went into the land with a promise that God said that I'm the the land, to spy out the land which I'm going to give them. So immediately there was a promise from God that he's sending them into an area, but he already promised that he was going to give the land to them. Now the spies report in verse 25, it says, When they returned from spying out the land at the end of uh, 40 days, and Aaron, um, they proceeded to come to Moses, and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they told him and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So they brought, they brought a testimony of what was in the land. So God gave them a promise, Go spy out the land, my promise is I'm going to give you the guys the land. So now they come after 40 days and they present a testimony of what is in the land. Of the promise of what God has called them to. <clears throat> Thus they told him and said, We went into the land where you sent us. It certainly does flow with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover... We saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of Negev and the Hittites. And the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country. And the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the sea of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone in spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. And there also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in, this, in, we were in their sight. So the picture we have now, what I, the reason I'm giving this illustration is because it's imperative when God releases a promise over our lives. It's not that we chase the promise of our lives, but we are supposed to be chasing the person who promised the, the promise over our lives. Because what we have to appeal when we trust in God for promises in our lives to unfold is we have to always revert back to the track record that God has had in our lives. Amen? And even I've, got, I've had to do that multiple times in my own personal life is God's spoken something and I've gone into the cycle of doubting Him because I'm, I haven't seen the manifestation yet of that promise. I've become indignant. I doubt him. But God is always standing as a true witness, saying, I have promises over your life. Look back on your life how many times I've remained faithful, I've remained steadfast, that I've come through for you. Now, Caleb, the word says that Caleb 
had a different spirit. Why did he have a different spirit? Because Caleb was able to identify the meta-narrative of God. You see, the, the, the ten spies were, were, were sent to spy out the land and to give a prophetic report. So they came back, said, Surely the land is flowing with milk and honey, but we cannot conquer it. So what happened? They lost sight of the initial promise. God's promise to them was that go spy out the land which I'm going to give to you. That is what happens every single time God promises something or declares something over our lives. He's saying, listen, my son, my daughter, I'm declaring this over your life. I'm faithful to see it through. But what happens through unbelief, through tasting triumphs, if, like I mentioned, the most important thing that you think about God is the most important thing about you, when our lenses are scratched due to circumstances, difficulties, and we allow that posture of offense in our lives to take place, all of a sudden, what God has spoken, we lose sight of it. We lose sight of God's perspective on a situation or promise in our lives. Now, Caleb, he had a greater perspective. He had a greater narrative. Because Caleb said, surely we can conquer the land. Because God promised and said that he's going to deliver that land into our hands. You see, in every single situation, every single time that we promise God or we trust God for a promise to unfold in our lives, we get to say, God, you promised this, and I'm going to hold fast to that confession without wavering because you are faithful, because you promised it. Or we can go with my circumstances are telling me something else. My finance is not looking bright, but wait, I've got a, I, know, I know God is provider. He's promised that he's going to see me through. He's promised that he's never going to let me go with, with lack. But the thing is, we get to a place that we become indignant and despondent towards God and we, we struggle to trust Him because our lenses and perspective are skewed of who He is. And I feel like, you know, for this, this morning, I feel like there's an invitation for us as, as people, you know, as sons and daughters, to, to get back to truly reevaluate our lives of what does it mean to hold fast to the promises that God has spoken in our, in our lives, over our lives, what He has declared, and that we need to cultivate trust and patience. You know what? Patience is so pivotal in our walk with God because patience is part of one of the fruit of the Spirit. Now what happens every single time that we cultivate patience in our lives, there will always be a result. Every single time. And you can think back on it, and I've done this many times that, you know, I've, I've trusted God for something. And because of my own impatience, I've tried to do something out of my own strength. And God might honor it, you know, but it might not carry the full blessing of what he wants me to walk in. And how many times do we do this like God speaks something or he asks us to wait for something or to cultivate patience and trust? And we do something, but we know that we're forcing God's hand in a way, if I can, if I can put it that way. That we become, we become indignant. And ultimately, we get to a point of not trusting Him. And then all of a sudden, what God promised over our lives, the greatness, the ambition, everything that you have, gets warped because now all of a sudden you haven't seen it in the times and that you thought God is going to unfold something in your life and we get to a place 
of trusting in the manifestation of the promise more than in God himself. And we heard our relationship with God. But God wants us to bring it back to, to a place of intimacy. You know, trusting God is ultimately laying ourselves down and thinking less about ourselves. Hebrews 5 verse 7 says that we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. And probably the, 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 the key point of us cultivating trust and remaining faithful to God to see promises unfold in our lives is intimacy. Because everything flows out of intimacy. Life and what we do on a daily basis is an overflow of intimacy. The word says that we have to behold Jesus in a mirror. So ultimately what we behold we become. If we cultivate intimacy despite the disappointments, despite the setbacks in our lives, despite the tragedies that happen in our lives, if we don't have intimacy as the key focal point in our life, we will be overcome by circumstances. We will be overcome by a bad report. We will be able to not to see God's perspective or narrative about a situation in our lives. But it has to come back to intimacy because out of intimacy, everything flows. Blessing flows. Everything ultimately because we can get a situation that seems dim to us. And if we focus on the carnal, it's going to look like it's going to overpower us or it's going to be too big for us to conquer. But if we hold fast to God's promises over our lives, knowing that God who promised is faithful and He can see it through in our lives. Cultivated that with intimacy as that foundation, it will bring back trust and eradicate fear in our lives of not seeing promises unfold. So I want to pray for you guys today. Um, and, and it's an invitation to respond. And I'm standing also on the one end, responding. If, if there's something or an area in your life that, you, that God's promised something over your lives, but you haven't seen the manifestation of that promise, or maybe it's taken a bit longer than you thought, and you might have given up hope, you might have lost sight of, sight of the promise on your life, you might have lost sight of the purpose. I feel like what I felt like earlier is that, that there's a lot of dreams in this place that's laid dormant. Like people have given up hope on certain dreams, ambitions that they had in their earlier years, and that God is breathing fresh, He's breathing a fresh anointing on those areas today. He's giving, there's an invitation to respond because God wants to renew you guys today. He wants to refresh it. He wants to breathe on that thing, whatever, you know, the valley of the dry bones. You know, speak to the dry bones in your life. And if there's anybody of you guys, I want to, I just want to appeal to you to stand because I truly feel like I want to pray for that. If there's an area where you've given up hope, um, where you might have lost sight and track of the promises of God, we've become, you know, despondent. Um, and you've postured yourself in a place of not trusting ultimately, God wants to bring that back. He wants to reveal himself again to you guys because of what he promised over your lives, he's the one that will bring it to completion. If there's anybody that wants to respond, I would love to pray with you guys this morning. Thank you guys. I know it's very vulnerable. going to give a bit of more time. You see, the only place that we can take care of the soil or the condition of our heart happens in intimacy. Intimacy with the Father. Adoration. And it's not about rules. It's not about us reading our Bible X amount of times. It's not about the amount of time we go to church. 
how much we're involved with outreach, how much time we spend per week listening to different podcasts, listening to Bill Johnson. It's the condition of the heart ultimately. And I feel like a lot of us, because God's spoken something and we haven't seen the manifestation of that promise unfold in our lives, we point fingers at God. And we doubt Him. And a lot of you guys might have served years faithfully to God. And you say, like, you know, I still haven't seen the manifestation of the promise. And the swirl of your heart might have been affected. I was recently, just to share with you guys, you know, after being involved in ministry for the past nine years, I, obviously I've had an extensive list of prophetic words of my life. Um of promises. One of the biggest promises on my life, prophetic words, is that God is going to use me, and this is what my heart breaks for, is the, um, the Hollywood industry in Los Angeles, to work with the people in that industry. And it's been spoken over my life for many years that I'm going to move to Los Angeles. And I came back from Bethel Church in May this year, and I had an opportunity to move to Los Angeles, but everything fell through. Everything. Um, it was months it was months of, you know, planning, um, and everything fell through. And I got to a place where for probably for two and a half months, two and a half months, almost three months, because of allowing my heart to be polluted through setback and disappointment, it got me to a place where I couldn't see God's narrative over my life anymore. I couldn't see that His promise of what He promised over my life of where He's going to take even though it's been nine years, the prophetic word for Los Angeles, for Hollywood, has been spoken over my life for almost the past six years of something that God birthed in me because a door closed, I became indignant, and I started doubting God to say like, nope, you know, you're not, you're not faithful. And it was a very hard, and I'm sharing, I'm being very vulnerable now, it was a very raw place for me to be in that place of having an expectancy for God to do something in your life and you've given up so much, you've sacrificed so much, you've cultivated so much of your time to go into a direction and then all of a sudden everything that you've been doing feels like it just fell through the floor. I got to a place where the swirl of my heart wasn't, wasn't right and because my perspective of God and my lenses were scratched, all of a sudden, all the lies the enemy tried to throw at me about you're not going to amount to anything in life. Your purpose, it's nothing. The prophetic words in your life is false. I played, if I can put it this way, I played the devil's hand for a bit, but I gave in. I was like, yep, that's true. Not going to amount to anything. And I started going into the cycle of feeling depressed, feeling anxiety for the first time in my life. I've never experienced anxiety. I found myself laying awake at night not being able to sleep, not being able to rest, didn't know what was going on. My hormones were affected. I was in this weird cycle of never being in there. I didn't want to hear anything. The funny thing is, in the midst of that, the only answer to get through it that I knew was cultivating intimacy with God and His presence because that's what helped me through it every single time. But you know what was funny? is When I was caught in that place of desperate need, that place of disappointment, Intimacy was the last place that I wanted to go, through, go to. It was the very last thing. I didn't want to hear... I mean, 
And you might, you might be going through something similar today, that God's spoken something over your lives, and you haven't seen it unfold. And you've given up hope. You've played the devil's hand. You've fed the lies. Because the last thing, I had all the right answers for myself when I went through you know, the anxiety, when I went through all that stuff. I had all the right biblical answers for myself. All the right scriptures. I mean, there was a lie that came in, and then all of a sudden, scripture goes off. I quote that. That's, and I'm like, no, God. Like, beyond my ability to quote scripture and to comfort myself with truth, I need you to, beyond my ability to quote that to myself, I need you to encounter me in this deep, the rawness where I'm feeling that disappointment. I need you to encounter me in that place. And I started cultivating what I knew worked in the past, despite my feelings. Feelings will lie to us all the time. You know, the word says that we are led by His Spirit. We're not led by our feelings. Feelings will always give us a warped perspective. Feelings are real. It's a, it's a gift from God, used in balance. But we, we can't follow feelings over the voice of God in our lives. We cannot do that. Those who are the sons of God are led by His Spirit. So God started taking me back to a place of what worked? What is my track record in your life? What has always worked? And I'm like, it's been intimacy. So I started going back into intimacy, forcing myself. And all of a sudden, it, I felt sort you know, it cleansed me. You see, the one thing we can always hold on to, despite our inability to see what God wants us to see in life, the one thing that we can always hold fast as an anchor in our lives is God's track record in our lives. If your circumstances are dictating something else to you, always revert back to his track record. Who has he been to you in your past? That stands throughout the ages. That prophesies in itself. If you're going through a hard situation, you can always revert back to God's track record. And what allowed me to get to that place was when I started cultivating intimacy back in my life, I started realizing and recognizing where God's been faithful in my life. And I started using that as an example for my situation that I was found in. So despite the doors closing on me, when I got to that place again, and I was like, God, I give up control. I'm going to trust you again. And I repented. I renewed my mind. What ended up flowing is my life started changing again. And all of a sudden, I got back to the place of being steadfast in God. And the lies were still coming, but I knew it was lies. I could identify the root of it. You see, intimacy will always be able to give us a perspective of what the truth is and what God has spoken over our lives. And to make it short, in January of this year, I'm moving out to Los Angeles to go work there, and I'm going to work with people within the Hollywood industry. So everything, a six-year prophetic word over my life, I'm seeing the start of a manifestation of that in my life this January unfold. Because He's faithful, because He promised it. It's not what I've done. I've stewarded my behalf. But He... He was more interested in the condition of my heart to be with Him. Because that is where greatness flows out of. It's the condition and the swell of our heart. So Father, I pray and for every single person in this place, every person that responded this morning, including myself, Lord. God, where we've given up hope, where we've lost sight, where we've become indignant, in the areas that we're not trusting you, Jesus, where we know that you've spoken so clearly to us, that you have a promise of our lives. Holy Spirit, by the word 
or the power of your word this morning, I just ask that as you mentioned earlier to me, that you're going to revive and revitalize and renew. That the people that responded and even those that might be sitting down, that there's errors in their lives and in their hearts where they've given up hope, where they've maybe allowed doubt to enter in, where they might be double-minded about the promises, where they've given up trust and patience to see promises unfolding in their lives. I just ask God that you would breathe into that area of their lives this morning, that you would renew and remind them of your track record in their lives, that you would renew the promises to them. Any attack from the enemy that's trying to tell you differently that you're not going to amount to anything in life, that you're called to mediocrity, I speak against that and I cancel the assignment of that. That we know that we're your sons and daughters, that you love us, that that's an imperative, and that the greatness spoken and declared over each and every single person in this place is lives. That we'll see the manifestation of that, Jesus, that we can get back to a place, and that every person standing will get back to a place of aligning themselves with you in intimacy, in adoration, so that the fruit of our lives will speak of who you are, and that that would testify about a God who is faithful. Because we know, God, faithful are you who has promised. So I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would encounter and comfort every single person in here. Even those that have given up on hope and dreams that they have in their lives. That you would remind them of those promises, of those dreams, of those ambitions. That they know that partnering with you, that they can accumulate and they can accomplish whatever you said out for them to do Jesus. I just ask Holy Spirit right now for a touch of your power, of your love, your comfort. We honor you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Amen.